0: Sometimes floods bring life. Our text this morning is going to be drawn from Ezekiel chapter 47. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon us this morning for one to hear the word accurately and for the other to preach your word accurately that we might do your word. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Several winters ago, it rained and rained in Los Angeles. Streams turned into creeks. Creeks turned into rivers, and rivers turned into roaring torrents. Our driveway had a mighty deluge of water rushing down into the street. The floods were so powerful, they left football-sized boulders strewn all over the highways so that I had to drive around them to avoid crashing my car. Ezekiel had a vision of a great flood, a surprising flood, that, unlike Noah's flood, brought life. This morning in Ezekiel 47, we'll see the greater flood, the greater flood. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 47. We're going to begin there in verse 1. Ezekiel 47, verse 1. And it says there in verse 1, "...as Ezekiel is receiving this vision, then he brought me back to the back door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple." toward the east for the temple faced the east the water was flowing down below the south end of the threshold of the temple south of the altar now the context is this jerusalem's been sacked judah has been shattered and carried away into captivity the temple has been looted and destroyed and the presence of god has departed from israel The last remaining vestiges of the kingdom of David and Solomon has been carried off into captivity in Babylon, and Ezekiel is there as a priest and prophet. In chapters 40 through 46 of Ezekiel, we see that it was prophesied that the return of the Lord would come with the reconstruction of the temple. Now, here's the interesting thing about the temple of Ezekiel. It's very peculiar. And remember, when the second temple was built, It was replicated on the model of the first temple with all of its courts and furnishings. But this temple is peculiar. There's no separation of Jews and Gentiles. You see that separation when you come to the New Testament, but it's not here in Ezekiel's temple. There's no separation of men and women. There's not a court for men and a court for women. There's no bronze sea, this great basin that held water for washing and purification, that was lifted up under the backs of bulls, 12 of them, three facing out to each of the four corners of the earth, representing the 12 tribes, holding up the nations. There's no holy place furnishings. There's no table of showbread. There's no golden lampstand. There's no altar of incense. There's no holy of holy veil. And there's no Ark of the Covenant. So what might this be pointing toward? And be reminded again that these elements, these courts were all set up in the second temple that was built after the exile but they're not here. Now water is coming out of the temple. Water is flowing out to the east. What might this represent? Well friends, I think it's interesting. Hold this thought in your mind. If you go to the very end of the Bible in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 1 we see this. Then the angel showed me The river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. What was the temple? The temple was the presence of God with the people of God on earth. It was the throne of God. And here in Revelation, we see that a river flows out from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Going on to verse 2. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around... The outside of the outer gate that faces toward the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. A stream of water was trickling out of Jerusalem under the gate that faces to the east. Now, these geographical lessons are important, friends. If you look on a map of ancient Israel, you'll see that Israel is backed up by the Mediterranean Sea. It's backed up against the sea, and out to the east are the nations. The temple faces to the east. The door to the temple opens to the east. What's to the east of Israel? It's the nations. It's the Gentiles. And so we see, even in the Old Testament, that the temple was open to the nations, inviting them to come, come, learn of God, and join the people of God. And here we see this little stream of water Coming down the altar, going down the south side of the temple, going out through the gate of Jerusalem, trickling to the east, the waters heading to the east, heading toward the nations. Going on to verse 3. Going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water, and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was knee deep again he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was waist deep now kids do you notice this there's no tributaries tributaries when you have a river and it gets bigger and bigger and we've got rivers out here how do they get bigger they get bigger because of tributaries streams and creeks flow into the river and make it wider and make it deeper but there's no tributaries here this stream turns into a river all on its own and there's a man out there, and he's measuring the depth. This man is an angel. He measures the depths every 1,500 feet, and first he measures, and it's ankle deep. He measures again another 1,500 feet, and the water's up to the knees. He goes another 1,500 feet, and now the water's up to his waist, going on to verse 5. Again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in. A river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And then he led me back to the bank of the river. So this river, as it flows out to the east, as it's flowing symbolically toward the nations, it starts out as a trickle, and then it becomes a stream, and then it becomes a creek, and then it becomes a river, ankle, knee high, waist high, and now it's so high, it can't be passed through. It's a roaring torrent of water that goes over ezekiel's head going on to verse 7 as i went back i saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other and he said to me this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the arabah and enters the sea when the water flows into the sea the water will become fresh Now, if you look in the back of your Bibles, you might want to do that. Now, if you don't know the geography in your head, got one of those maps of Israel, we see that the water's flowing to the east, the water's flowing to the east, and then it's going to the Arabah. Water, water here, and water and trees. Water and trees. Water and trees in the Bible represent life. This is a river of life. Now, again, this river is now heading out it's heading out to the east, and then it says it goes into the Arabah. If you look at that map, you'll see that if it goes east and heads into the Arabah, it's going to flow down the valley of the Jordan River. It becomes the Jordan River. It takes the place of the Jordan River. It's bigger and wider and deeper and moving faster than the Jordan River, and it's flowing down to the Arabah. And what is in the Arabah? The Dead Sea. The Dead Sea. It's flowing down into the Dead Sea. The sea that's so filled up with minerals that nothing can live in it, and it makes it fresh. This river of life makes the Dead Sea live, going on to verse 9. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be many kinds of fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh so everything will live where the river goes now i imagine that there's probably some people in this room that have visited israel i imagine there's some people in this room that have done what people do when they go to the dead sea i don't float really well some people are very buoyant but everybody in this room will float on top of the dead sea because it's filled with so much salt and mineralization nothing can live in it in fact people have witnessed fish coming down in the Jordan River swimming out into the Dead Sea and then struggling and dying but the river of life is creating life the river of life is creating life ex nihilo do you see that it's making life wherever it goes it's causing trees to sprout it's causing swarming things to swarm Notice the wording here. Every living creature that swarms will live. If you heard this in Hebrew and you were proficient in it, you would understand exactly what this is pointing toward. Genesis chapter 1, verse 20. In the beginning. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. This river, wherever it goes, is causing swarms of living creatures. The Dead Sea is filled with life. The Dead Sea is swarming with fish. Fish. What's up with fish? Let's go on to verse 10. Fishermen will stand beside the sea. From En-Gedi to en It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. Now, if you look at the, the way this is actually worded in Hebrew... And in these ancient languages, a lot of times certain words will not be at the front of the sentence. You have to look at the context in order to put it together. But something actually is missing here in our English text. It starts off with Vechaya, which means, and it shall come to pass. So this would read this way, and it shall come to pass that fishermen will stand beside the sea. And it shall come to pass that fishermen will stand beside the sea. It's speaking of future days. It's speaking of days in the future when the Dead Sea will bring forth much life. Fishermen are catching fish of a great variety like the Great Sea. And what is a Great Sea? It's the Mediterranean Sea. It's the sea around which the civilized world lived at the time in which Ezekiel is speaking. And it's filled with a great variety of fish Now, the Jordan River flows down from the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee has fish in it, but not of a great variety. You got St. Peter's fish there, which is tilapia and little sardine-like fish. And then the water flows down from the Jordan River, and it fills up the Dead Sea. But we're told that the fish now in the Dead Sea are like the ones in the Great Sea. How did that happen? Because God made life. God's making life. God's Filling the sea, the dead sea, which has now been made alive with a great variety of fish. Is this about fishing? Is this about agriculture? Is this about someday the dead sea will be made with fresh water? And hey, fishermen are going to go down there and there's going to be all kinds of fish to catch. Isn't that going to be great or is there something else? Well, friends, the sea is a metaphor in the Old Testament. Ubiquitous metaphor for the nations. That's why you've got the great basin called the sea Upon the backs of the twelve bowls Representing Israel The twelve tribes are to be priests to the nations Facing out to the four corners of the earth Holding up the world They were to be priests to the nations To declare God's glory And to bring them in But oftentimes we see that Israel This little nation Backed up by the Mediterranean Sea Facing out to the east Is surrounded by this turbulent sea of Gentiles It's compared all over the Psalms to the sea, the turbulent sea, sometimes friendly, oftentimes enemies of Israel, sometimes even being used by God as instruments of judgment upon his people when they walked far from him. The sea is an Old Testament metaphor for the nations. The turbulent Gentiles, it's people. The fish are people. And notice, there are fishers of men. They're spreading nets. They're drawing in the fish. What's that about? These fishers of men are spreading the net of the good news. Going on to verse 11. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. There are those who will not be fished by gospel nets. There are those, and we notice here the wording, in the swamps and in the marshes. You know we don't gather your your salt from swamps and marshes. You gather it along the edge of a sea that's very salty swamps and marshes. This is salt that's not good. And you can hear an echo in the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 where he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under men's feet. It's swampy salt. It's marshy salt. Going on to verse 12. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, There will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Keep all those little metaphors in your mind, those key words. Ezekiel is telling the exiles that the temple will be restored. And that the temple will be a sanctuary of life. And notice how this river flows. It goes along. It's not just a flood and then goes through, and that's the end of it, but rather it's going through in a way that it's continuous. Trees are growing. We see that the sea, the Dead Sea, is made fresh, it's being filled with fish. People are engaging in some form of spiritual commerce along its shores. It's a river that's going to continue. It's just going to keep right on flowing. So let's pull all these strands together. What's this about? What's up with this temple and this stream of water that turns into a river and this dead sea that's made alive and people fishing the fish of the dead sea now made alive? Well, first of all, the greater temple's coming. Now remember, when the second temple is built, it has these courts. But as far as we know, some of the implements... The elements that would have been in the first temple of David and Solomon, they're not there. For example, when the tabernacle was built and all the implements were put into the tabernacle and the priests were ready to begin their ministry, God came in his glory. The Shekinah glory came into the tabernacle. And when Solomon's temple was built and they put all the implements in and the priests are ready to begin their ministry, God's glory comes. His presence in the Shekinah comes into the temple But when you get to the second temple The reestablishment in the days of Nehemiah and Ezra We're not told that this occurs And we see that Herod expands the temple So that it's one of the wonders of the ancient world But we never read of God's glory Coming into that temple In fact when the Romans came and destroyed that temple In 70 AD They rushed into the Holy of Holies Expecting to find treasures And they found nothing there So this temple That Ezekiel is speaking of Looks different than the temple that came after the exile because a greater temple is coming. And what does that mean? Well, I think the Apostle Paul tells us what this is about. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Paul here is talking about Jew and Gentile together, the nations, including the Jews, brought together in one household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. You see, friends, a temple that Ezekiel is pointing forward to, this gigantic structure that has has this open architecture, the closed feast of the table of showbread now gone. Why? Because we have this. Because everywhere the temple meets, we eat. And the table of showbread is now opened up. The veil is gone because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. The new temple has arrived. And what about the river? A greater river is coming. That's what Ezekiel's speaking about. And in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 2, think about the wording that was back there in Ezekiel. Through the middle of the street of the city, this is the city of Jerusalem, the new heavenly city of jerusalem through the middle of the city also on either side of the river the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations that's what ezekiel's talking about now think about all those motifs drawing them all together through the new testament you hear terminology about the new city of jerusalem you hear terminology about this priesthood that's established. We see here that the Apostle Paul speaks of the body of Christ as being the holy temple, the body of Christ. All these motifs come together. Friends, we are that new temple. We are that new city. Through us flows the river of life, and out of us flows the river of life as jesus said from his people they shall drink living water and shall become themselves springs of living water bringing life everywhere they go ezekiel says a greater temple is coming a greater river is coming and a greater flood is coming and friends the greater flood is here it's here we're in the middle of it this age between the first and final advent of the lord jesus christ is the age of the great flood here and now a great gospel flood flowing across the world in this age and maybe you're sitting out here this morning thinking man I wish I lived at a better time our country's going to pot I wish I lived back in the Eisenhower days when things were better Man, I wish I lived in the days of the Crusaders, but friends, God has foreordained you to be here and now, and these are the days. These are the days of the flood. These are the days in which we take our place in the tapestry of the kingdom of God and press forward in this river of life. Can I hear an amen to that? It seemed like a normal hot summer day in Payson, Arizona. While people were relaxing and swimming in a shallow creek that ran through Cold Springs Canyon, but without warning, a flash flood upstream caused a wall of fast-moving water to come crashing through the canyon, knocking down trees, sweeping people downstream, and killing nine people in its treacherous floodwaters. In Ezekiel's vision, a tiny mustard-seed-like trickle of water flowing forth from God's temple upstream caused an ever-increasing flood of water to come crashing into the Dead Sea, sweeping death up and bringing life with it. This morning we've seen in Ezekiel chapter 47, the greater flood. Soli deo gloria, to God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of living in the days of the great flood of the river of life. May you move upon us and cause us to take our place within it and to spread it deeper and wider in our time and place. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.